What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and our good friends at Byers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, go to buyersauto.com and check out their selection online. Uh, I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Spencer Holbrook. We're talking stuff about Ohio State football recruiting, as I already said. So uh, it's another week, another win on the recruiting trail for Ohio State. The Buckeyes added a commitment on Monday afternoon from four-star defensive back prospect Jansen Dunn from Bowling Green, Kentucky. South Warren High School, one of the country's elite athletes at six foot two, 185 pounds, a guy that uh, projects down the road for the Buckeyes in the secondary, probably um, as a combo type player. Again, and Spencer, we've talked about this over and over, and some things I feel like sound like a broken record eventually, but Ohio State wants guys that can do multiple things on the football field. And Jansen Dunn, the fact that he is – a safety body with cornerback skills uh, is exactly why he's the right fit for their defense and exactly why, despite the fact that the Buckeyes have a, a long list still of outstanding and remaining options at the defensive back position in the class of 2021, that when it looked like on Saturday night, Jansen Dunn had not looked like he had committed to Oklahoma. When that happened, the Buckeyes coaching staff jumped into action in a way that I don't think – I can personally recall um, on the recruiting trail and within 25 minutes of Jansen Dunn issuing a verbal commitment to Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma Sooners, the Buckeyes had changed his mind before he ever went public with anything. Um, As a player, what you get out of Dunn is, is just, like I said, versatility. And that's really the key for Ohio State. It's what they've been, searching for um, regularly at the defensive back position and regularly in this class altogether. And, and that's why Jansen Dunn makes a lot of sense uh, for Ohio State when it comes to, um, you know, this class and why you take him right now. He's, he's a really good athlete. And I just go back to – I actually go back to the Jalen Johnson commitment because we talked when he committed that he can play – he might be able to play linebacker, he could play safety uh, – You know, he could play just about anywhere that's not the defensive line. And if you look at Jansen Dunn, he's not going to play linebacker, but he can play corner, he can play safety. It just goes back to, like, Ohio State's not going to recruit the – I don't know if they're going to recruit anymore unless he's a home run, the Jordan Fuller style of safety. It just seems like that is coming and going, and it's going to – what can you do versatility-wise in the defensive backfield? Because Jansen Dunn can do a lot of things for the Buckeyes, and I think he can be a very, very valuable piece. And – like you said, the the swiftness is swiftness a word that yes, that they that that they acted with to get him into the fold once they found out something about him committing to Oklahoma. It tells you everything you need to know about where he was as a priority for this program. So here's what happened, and people are asking me on Twitter and other social media platforms and, and how that hey, went Burm, down. Before you before you start, I thought when you went to the green screen, I didn't think you were putting Dunn's highlights up i thought you were going to put i thought you were going to put the eye emoji up there oh just a no, big no, eye no. Emoji. no i would never do that i'm not a troll um it is interesting lincoln riley tweets the big eyes right when when the oklahoma program receives a commitment similar in a way to i guess like james franklin at penn state when the when the nittany lions are about to get a commitment he tweets out, we are better or whatever, right? And 
on Monday, I said that I thought that in a way, Lincoln Riley deciding to tweet those eyes out helped contribute to him losing Jansen Dunn. And the difference between what Lincoln Riley did and what James Franklin does or some other coaches do when they get a commitment like Ed Orgeron to catch that tiger or whatever is that James Franklin does that a second before a kid is going to publicly commit. And what Lincoln Riley does, and it's his MO, that's fine, and I get why he does it. It's to pump up the fan base for the social media clout and all that stuff. So he tweets those eyes as soon as he gets word from a kid that he's committing. At that point, every single member of the Oklahoma recruiting media beat uh, jumps into action, trying to figure out who it is, who it is, who it is, who it is. And then it becomes this game to see who gets it first. So what happened on Saturday night was Jansen Dunn let on that it could be him by then tweeting a minute after Lincoln Riley that he had big news coming soon. The Oklahoma media figured out it was Jansen Dunn very quickly, started talking about it being Jansen Dunn on all the message boards, started pumping up Jansen Dunn to, Ohio, to Oklahoma, all the crystal balls changed. And at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night, somebody at Ohio State saw that and reached out to Jansen Dunn and said, whoa, what's going on? And I don't know the exact detail of what the conversation entailed, but I will say this. For a month now, I've been told that Jansen Dunn was a take at Ohio State, okay? I don't think Jansen Dunn knew that because the Buckeyes don't push for a commitment. They don't sit there and talk to you every time and say, hey, when are you committing? When are you committing? When are you committing? Because for two reasons, it's just not their style, number one. But also, number two, there is value for Ohio State if Jansen Dunn would have wanted to wait a little bit longer. But that doesn't mean they wouldn't have taken him now uh, if he wanted to commit, which he apparently did. But on Saturday night, the call, from what I understand, was basically saying, hey, P.S., we, we've never said you couldn't commit. And at that point where Jansen Dunn had wanted to be at Ohio State all along, he had to call Lincoln Riley back up within 25 minutes and, and change his mind. Um, and at that point, you saw the crystal balls flip back to Ohio State in 25 minutes. And uh, I don't know, Spencer, like, I get it. Like, you want the clout on social media. You want all of the attention and you want people to, to get excited. But, like, did – the eyes cost Lincoln Riley a commitment on Saturday night and a commitment uh, over Ohio State, which is a team that is beating him like a drum on the recruiting trail. Yeah, because they just beat him for Timiche Adelaide too. And so, I mean, you know, Ohio State's kind of showing him what's up right now. But I think it did. If you – Ohio State obviously was kind of backhanded by it. Like they had no clue it was coming. If right. They, if they called him and was like and, – and said to Jansen Dunn, hey, what what's – What's the word here? Like, they obviously had no clue it was coming. So if Lincoln Riley would have never done that and Jansen Dunn would have said, big announcement coming Monday, Ohio State probably would have reached out and been like, hey, uh, are you committing to us or not? And he would have been like, no, going to Oklahoma. And maybe this thing goes differently. But the fact well, that Lincoln maybe Riley it does, did that. And maybe it doesn't. And that's, I maybe guess it that's, doesn't matter. I guess maybe that's it the reality matter. too. But the, what, it, what happens here, whether it was Lincoln Riley tweeting the eyes in conjunction with – um, Jansen Dunn's tweet or whether it was just 
Jansen Dunn's tweet that got Ohio State to call him and say, hey, what's going on? Because I, I'm, I'm, I can't say this with 100% certainty, but I feel confident in saying that on a Saturday night at 9 o'clock, Kerry Combs, Matt Barnes were not sitting there watching Twitter. You know I, what I mean? I, I think that's a pretty good statement. But I feel like – here's the thing, though, Berm. I feel like there, is, there are enough people in the building – that know how to put tweet notifications on to certain people's Twitter accounts. Sure. That there are just, I don't know what kind of rules there are. I don't know if there's any rules against that, but I feel like there are enough people who know what they're doing with Twitter to know anytime one of these top targets tweets, anything, you know, there's at least one person in the building that gets it, that gets it and sends it in a group message or something like that. That's just the way the things work nowadays. And I think that is probably what did it. But the Lincoln Riley eye emojis didn't help because if Ohio State would have just saw, hey, he's committing, they might not have acted as swiftly as seeing right. Lincoln Riley tweet eyes. And, you know, Ryan Day knows Lincoln Riley. I think they know each other pretty well. Like, that, he knows what, you know, the, everybody knows what Lincoln Riley's MO is on, on Twitter with, the, with commits. So when you see that, you automatically know. And then when a guy tweets, hey, I'm committing, I mean, I, the bottom line is I, I don't know how much we really need to to further discuss Lincoln Riley's eye emoji tweets, but like recruiting is amazing. Maybe, maybe, like, it, meant buck, that, maybe it meant Buckeyes. Who knows? Um, the fact that this happened just like further proof that like recruiting is so weird and yeah, it's stupid. Not, it's I don't stupid think, I think sometimes people, I think sometimes people get this idea when people like myself say, Hey, recruiting changes all the time. So, Things happen every single day with kids where their minds are changing and their favorites are changing and their feelings. I mean, they're, they're, they're 17-year-old kids, so that's natural. But I think that in, in some way, the Jansen Dunn thing on Saturday night was like the prime example of how absolutely bonkers this business can be. And here's the thing. If Lincoln Riley doesn't tweet that and Jansen Dunn doesn't tweet that and he just – goes about his business and then commits to Oklahoma on Sunday or, or Monday like he was going to. Ohio State has so many other defensive backs on the board, guys like Jalen Davies and Denzel Burke and Kamar Wilcoxon and, and Derek Davis and all these other defensive backs that are still around the country who would love to be a part of the Buckeyes class. I don't know that they would have made like a, a huge push to try to flip Jansen Dunn either. Because they have a lot of other options, and he's he's obviously a very good player, and they like him a lot. Um, they like him a lot more than people really knew. But I I don't know that they would have gone aggressive to try to like flip him right now. So there are people out there who say, hey, it's probably inevitable if he was that easy to flip, he probably would have flipped anyway. But I don't know that he would have, because I don't know that the Buckeyes would have felt like they had to go do that. But there is, and we've talked about it before. There the the difficulty of decommitting and recommitting to another school is always high, but it's much higher when you've publicly committed. And, Berm, here's the thing I'll say. You know, you had just mentioned that Ohio State likes this kid a lot more than people think they do. 24-7 just released a new rankings update. Now, not everybody in the industry releases the rankings updates at the same time. And, right. you know, one of, the, one of the rankings updates is always always kind of off compared to everyone else's. I won't name the – but anyways, 
Jansen Dunn is the 248th best player in the composite. 24-7 just moved him up to 146. And I'm not saying Ohio State cares about this stuff. What I am saying is he has had a steady rise in the rankings at every, every single time they have released the new rankings, he has risen a significant amount of spots. Well, I, think I mean, part of that's because people like Ohio State have offered him, and then Alabama offered yeah. him. Georgia actually offered him an hour after he publicly committed to Ohio State on Monday. Um, so there, there's all these, you know, r- rankings are important because they tell us what schools want these players. And I, yeah, I think Jansen Dunn. I think Jansen Dunn could could wind up when this class is fully released, and I think the final rankings updates are in February. If High school football in Kentucky, if they have a season, and I, we'll assume they have a season, Jansen Dunn could be a top 100 prospect in the country. Yeah, I think, I think there's no doubt that he could continue to rise and end up being one of the top seven or eight players in this entire class. As, as an athlete, um, you know, and I, I, I'm not a huge fan of marking kids as athletes when we have an idea what position they're going to play. Like nobody really thinks – but Jansen Dunn's going to play offense at the next level, even though he plays offense now and does it quite well. The projections for him are clearly on the defensive backside, and maybe it's because they don't know if he's a corner or a safety. Maybe that'll get adjusted and he'll be changed to a defensive back. But, you know, what you're looking at with him is the best top-ranked player in Kentucky, a player that Ohio State began recruiting very aggressively almost seven, eight months ago, at the beginning of last season, they had him on campus for a game last year. They brought him back to, to campus in early March, offered him on that visit. Kerry Combs and, and Matt Barnes have been all over it since. Um, you know, people, again, people want to say, like, okay, this kid was going to commit to Ohio State anyway. But the fact is it's pretty clear that Ohio State decided on Saturday night, what well, we don't want to risk losing this kid once they found out what was going on. So I think that's telling for Buckeyes fans out there who are wondering, like, why would they risk taking Jansen Dunn right now if it meant potentially losing out on a guy like Tony Grimes down the line or Jordan Hancock if he decided to flip from Clemson for some reason, which, again, I don't think is going to happen. But if you wanted to, now you have five defensive backs in the class. Now you still have Jalen Davies and Denzel Burke and Kamar Wilcoxon and Derek Davis. And all these guys around the country that are still interested in being in the class. And you have Tony Grimes, who's definitely not going to decide until December. Um, You know, there's a belief, I guess, that Ohio State is not a real option for Grimes on one hand. And then there's other people who seem to think that Ohio State's now in a position where they can push the envelope with him and say, hey, if you want in, you've got to get in now. But, like, you don't do that with a top ten player in the country. You can't say, Hey, if you want in, you're in now or you're out because number one, it's BS. If he wants in in December, they'll find a way to get him in. But number two, the relationship between Tony Grimes and Kerry Combs is a month and a half old. Like there's no reason to, to try to force that action. The, the last, the last thing before we move on, I don't know you want to move on from done after this. I, I just want to be done with done. <laughs> We can be done. What I just want to be done, done. I mean, this is a this is an abbreviated show. I want to touch on. It's super interesting to me, and maybe it's just the fact that those players are really good, and Ohio State's going to get them. Jagger Burton is a top priority for Ohio State. Jansen Dunn obviously was a top priority for Ohio State at defensive back. 
there was a little bit of miscommunication there, but Ohio State understood that he was a top priority, and they just needed to up front tell Jansen Dunn. Yeah, I just don't think they wanted – I don't think they were – they didn't need him to commit right away. But if he wanted to, and I think that's the big, the big picture. And my last top, my last thought on Dunn, I'll let you finish first. They wanted him to commit. He was a take a month ago. But if he didn't commit right now, that didn't hurt Ohio State because they're still evaluating all these options. Anyway, go. It's interesting to me that the storyline out of Ohio recruiting is that no longer the guys who are fringe Ohio State prospects are going to Michigan State and Michigan, they're going to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And so Kentucky has made Ohio, the state of Ohio such a priority on the recruiting trail. And Ohio State obviously has seen that and said, you know what, Kentucky, we're going to get all the best players in Ohio, and then we have enough strength on the recruiting trail where we can go into Kentucky and get your two best players, and then you're only getting the fringe players in Ohio and the fringe players in Kentucky because we're going to – go in and get the top two guys in your state. I think that's really interesting. And maybe it's just a coincidence because Burton and Dunn are phenomenal players, but it just looks like Ohio state sees what Kentucky's doing in Ohio and tells these kids in Kentucky, they're prioritizing the kids in our state more than they are you. And I don't know, they're not directly recruiting against Kentucky. I understand that. I just think it's interesting how in this class, I mean, like there are not many players from Kentucky that come to Ohio no. State every year. And you're getting two of them. You, you could possibly be getting two of them. I know Burton has not made a decision, um, but you've written time and time again that, that he's a top priority for the Buckeyes. You have to think they're in a good position for him. He has been for a long time. I think the interesting part of this, Spencer, is that, number one, Kentucky talent has gotten a lot better. So that, that's something we have to appreciate and understand. Number two is that it's a neighboring state for Ohio State, okay? It's a – three-and-a-half-hour drive down to Lexington where these kids are, or Bowling Green, you know, five-hour drive. Um, Ohio State would much prefer that Jagger Burton and Jansen Dunn. Jansen Dunn was not really considering Kentucky, so let's kind of remove him from that, from that conversation. For whatever reason, I don't know why he wasn't considering Kentucky, but he was much more into Louisville than he was Kentucky when it came to in-state programs. But the Buckeyes would much rather those kids be living in Indiana than in Kentucky because recruiting against the SEC is a different world. And it's easier to go into Indiana if you're competing against Notre Dame, for example, than it is to compete against the entire SEC. Right now, Kentucky, I don't know that they're the leader for Jagger Merton, but they're certainly, I kind of think Ohio State and Kentucky are 1A, 1B. Well, and Berm, it might, I don't mean to cut you off, but it might also have to do with, we talk about how Ohio State goes after parts of the country where programs are down. Look at Louisville right now. Louisville has been in the last 10 years, the, I know I'm going to get crap for the way I say Louisville because there's no good way to say it. There's no right way to say it, but that program, Louisville, 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 uh, that program has been down for three or four years now since Lamar Jackson left. And no, Ohio I, State. I just don't consider what I guess. I'm gonna. I don't mean to cut you off, but I guess I'm. It's just, I, I guess it's just interesting to me that they get are getting a couple that they could potentially get a couple guys from Kentucky when we don't see that very often. Maybe I'm thinking of it too much. I just think it's really interesting. I think you are, and I think I think you are because of this, Spencer. Right? Kentucky football, <clears throat> whether it be the Wildcats or the Cardinals, uh, is not Ohio State level football. Okay. Yeah. 
<clears throat> in the past, when Ohio State has gone into specific regions of the country, like Georgia and Florida, um, California in the last couple of years, those are areas where the big dog in that state has been down. Texas, Georgia, Tennessee. Like we're talking about programs that are on the level um, from a brand standpoint with Ohio State. And those kids that are in those spots are looking for a program like Ohio State to, and the Buckeyes are simply filling a void. A place like Kentucky, uh, it's the Luke Kennard syndrome, okay? Like if you are Luke Kennard and you're from Ohio and you're one of the best basketball players in the country, you can definitely go play at your home state program at Ohio State, and it's a really good program. It's a top 25, top 30 program in the country every year. And you can be that guy who's a hometown hero forever, right? Or you can go to Duke and win national championships and be a top he 10 pick. He didn't, though. He didn't, though. Whatever. You, I, the point is, yes. though, there, are, there are levels to this that Kentucky and Louisville are just not on Ohio State. Walker Parks, who's one of Jagger Burton's teammates there at uh, Frederick Douglass, just signed with Clemson. Okay, so like, it's not these kids. If you have a choice between Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Alabama, the decision to stay home and go to Kentucky is one where you are. And maybe no one's going to admit this, but you're saying to yourself. I'm fine not winning a national championship. I want to be close to home. I want to play with my friends. I want to be – and that's fine. Like, that's a good thing. Like, the, the average college – Kentucky's a good program. Like, yeah, they're becoming a good program. A good program. It's, a top, it's a top 25 program. There's no, maybe, it's not a knock on them. Maybe I should but, have worded it a little different where it's not that they're going in because, those, because Louisville is down. It's just interesting to me that now that there's talent there – Ohio and Kentucky prioritizes Ohio State so well. It's just interesting to see Ohio State yeah. go into Kentucky and get guys. The, the Buckeyes' preference is to recruit within like a four-hour radius of Columbus. Like that's the sweet spot. Kentucky and Louisville, like Lexington and Louisville, fit that. Home, you know, that's on the border of that. So once there's talent in that region, they're going to go at. They're going to go hard after them. the Buckeyes went hard after Wandale Robinson and, and lost it. To, they went hard after Rondale Moore. They went hard after um, Drake Jackson, the offensive tackle there, John Young, Landon Young. Like They went after these guys and lost to Kentucky, lost to Purdue, lost to Nebraska in that state. So it's taking time to, to gain a foothold over the programs that have already been there. Jeff Brom obviously coached at Western Kentucky. He had some ties in the area. Um, the Scott Frost and his offense, and they basically promised Wandale Robinson, we'll just do exactly what they're doing with Rondale Moore with you. Um, but the Buckeyes are so much different. And, I, again, it's not a knock on kids who want to stay at Kentucky. Jagger Burton may very well end up committing to Kentucky and staying at Kentucky and having a great career and going to the NFL. But the average college football player does not make it to the NFL. Like, that's just the case, right? I mean – 95% of college football players, uh, I'm not sure of that number, I'm just making it up, but I bet it's probably close, don't make it to the NFL. Like, So if you're a top 10 player at your position, the odds of going to the NFL go way, way up. And that's why these kids go to places that are known for getting you to the NFL. Like, It's not rocket surgery. Um, 
so for, for the Buckeyes here, the, the, the recruiting push is not, we're going to go attack Kentucky because Kentucky's prioritizing Ohio. It's we're going to go attack Kentucky because all of a sudden there's a couple really damn good football players in Kentucky. And it's within the sweet spot of Ohio state recruiting where they don't have to fly out to Washington to try to get an offensive guard. You know what I mean? So it, it is interesting. The whole, the whole thing, and this is why I love recruiting and why I love talking about it because there's so many dynamics in play and so much nuance, every single, every single player that Ohio State is recruiting, there is a story. There is a, a, an interwoven thing um, into what makes that player the right fit, what that player needs, what that player wants. And through it all, what you find is that no matter which players end up at Ohio State, one thing is true. Fan bases are going to think they're cheating. <laughs> that's it. it doesn't matter and that's, you love and that's you love talking about recruiting so much that we thought we were going to have a 20 minute show we haven't even touched on the other defensive backs yet i mean it's it's just fascinating i saw oklahoma message board poster say ohio state was paying players uh because of jansen dunn's decision to change his mind hey. i i saw clemson message boards suggesting ohio state was doing something dirty because they flipped a kid in 20 minutes like, uh, it, it's uh, – of course, the Michigan boards are always talking about Ohio State as – I thought Clemson as, would – I thought Clemson would think that was easy. Think it's I like an know. act of God – like an act of God or something. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a weird world. Uh, it's a great world. And I'm so glad we have recruiting to talk about right now more than ever because we don't know what else is going on in the world of football and recruiting as the lead in of, of dotting the eyes on, on Letterman Monroe says it never stops. It's not stopping. The Buckeyes are growing and going. The number one class in the country, Spencer asked me two months ago, do I think the Buckeyes will finish with the number one class? I said, no way. Uh, I was wrong about that. It's, it's, going, it's going to finish as the number one class. It, it's, uh, the Buckeyes are in a position right now where if they get two or three of the guys that they're still in on, J.C. Tuamalo, J.C. Latham, Emeka Abuka. I mean, if you get those three and you add them to the current mix, that's six five-star kids. And then you, I mean, you still have so many other good players out there. That would take them to 20 commits, and then you throw on five additional guys. And all you those five, five. Yeah, it's going to be very hard for anybody to catch them and pass them in the class of 2021. Um, you know, and I think it, it's fascinating just because – a year ago, Ohio State was in the same position in 2020 class where they kind of knew what the core was going to be and what they had. And so they turned the focus to 2021 and started really growing these relationships with these kids now. But because of the recruiting dead periods that are being mandated by the NCAA, because of the lack of valuation, their, their focus right now is entirely on 2021. Um, and it's paying off. And I guess the hope for the Buckeyes here is that the momentum that they gained in 2021 and, and, the, nat and the national publicity and the, the way people are talking about the 2021 class, that in some ways that publicity is what drives the 22 class to like be more interested because they can't do as much with those kids right now. I mean, they started this quarantine with 10 commits and they now have 17. And that's astonishing 
I don't, I don't understand how it's happening, but it's happening. And uh, for a couple of quick questions, uh, I guess we can save the other defensive backs since we're running long. Well, yeah, I mean, we mentioned the guys, we mentioned the names and there's just not a lot that's going to happen. But again, I I didn't think anything was going to happen with Jansen Dunn, but Jalen Davies, Denzel Burke, Kamar Wilcoxon, those are the main three, I guess. Derek Davis is on the list, obviously, because he's been recruited for a long time. But more and more, I think that the Buckeyes see him as a potential bullet candidate. Um, and so I don't know exactly if he, if I would put him in the defensive back conversation. But so, with Wilcoxon, Davies, and Denzel Burke, who are the top three, I guess, that I'm going to talk about, none of them have visited campus. They're all from far away. One's from Arizona, one's from California, one's from Florida. I don't think that there's a risk that any of those guys are going to try to commit without being on campus. So two questions. One of them is semi-Ohio State related, but not really. And the other one is not Ohio State related at all, but it's a recruiting show, so I can ask it. Sure. The first one is all these programs think every other program is cheating. How the hell do you cheat during the quarantine? I mean, I guess you just direct deposit. I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't. I don't really understand how you could. Like, I've heard through some people how programs have found ways to cheat. Certain programs. You know, yeah. we're not going to reveal anything. I don't really know that much because I'm new in this industry. But like, there are ways programs do things. It's just It's just the the way it is. Sure. Well, you also I don't see that how you different. Could, are we talking about cheating, like having a conversation with a kid that you shouldn't? Are we talking about cheating, like dropping off a bag full of money on someone's porch or taking them on an unofficial visit to a car dealership? Like, are Let's we, talk we're, about we're, the latter. Let's talk about the latter. Because everybody's calling people they shouldn't be right now because they have nothing else to do. Let's just put that out there right now. I mean, <laughs> I think there's, there's obviously conversations that are – anyone who's calling a 2022 prospect directly right now is violating NCAA rules. So if they just call the landline and they, right. I mean, the kid happens to answer and not the dad, it's like, oh, sorry. Right. NCAA rules. But, like, there's no possible way for them to cheat and have bag men right now because it, it just you can't have face-to-face contact. I mean, there's a way, but uh, the reality is I, I just <laughs> – It's just interesting to me. Every single time a commit happens, a commitment happens, there's a cheating aspect to it. The, the reality of the situation is that – there are programs in this country that are much more aggressive in the way that they violate the rules. <laughs> there are like, like, that's not, I, I truly believe on some level, every program in the country is violating NCAA rules at some point during the process. Like that's why you see all these programs self-report things that they've done. I don't believe that everyone is cheating egregiously or with the intent of being like uh, super you know, egregious in the way that they do it. Like, I, I don't think that everyone is buying cars or dropping off money or I, I just don't think that's the case. Every program, I, I agree. In the country, every program in the country is trying their best to walk the line. Like, because that's just what you have to do, honestly, because that's the reason like when you have an official visit and you get to take these kids to a meal, you're not taking them to Burger King. Right. You're not taking them to Raising Canes, even though that's where they all want to go. You know, <laughs> and I, I, I think that the, the real truth is that 
there are programs that have gotten very good at being very bad. And there are some programs that aren't. There are some programs that used that method to get ahead and to, to boost their program and then don't do it to the level they used to because now they're on top, so they don't have to. Um, now the program sells itself. But, I mean, if you look at what Old Miss did in 2013, like, it was clear what they were trying to do. They were trying to put together one super class to then boost the rest of, of their status. And, but anyone with a brain can look at that class at Old Miss and be like, oh, this does not add up. Something's not right here. Right. It's not, you, it's not a program that had great historic relevance. It's not a program that has a bunch of, you know, history and tradition. And then all of a sudden when you get four, five stars from Illinois to, to show up on your front step, uh, people start to wonder. When you're beating Alabama who won four out of five national championships for a five-star kid from the South, people start to go, that does not make sense. And um, I, mean, I don't know, we could talk about this stuff. Well, I didn't mean to bring – I think it's hilarious. Like during the quarantine, everybody's like, "Oh, they're cheating." I think it's I think it's absurd, but people have to. Understand. I didn't mean to open this can of worms, bro. I'm sorry. Recruiting is about relationships. Like for the for ninety eight percent of prospects in the country, recruiting is about which school do I have the best relationship with? That's where I'm going to go. There are the two percent of the country that you have kids or their third uncle saying recruiting is about which school is going to give me something. And I know people don't want to hear it, and I know I'll be accused of wearing scarlet and colored lenses, but Ohio State does not play that game. Like, they just don't play that game. And if people feel like they're cheating, it's because they're just frustrated that they're getting beat by a team 17 out of 20 years, or that Ryan Day, who people thought was going to be a drop-off from Urban Meyer as a recruiter, is not. Um, but, but you know now Ryan Day has to go out and win national championships and has to go out and prove that he can be a, a great coach for an extended period of time not for just one year so I mean there's, there's ways that the Buckeyes will uh, regress on the recruiting trail and that's by losing and that's by you know not being able to, to finish um, a national championship run and that kind of stuff so Anyway, what's the question? Let's let's wrap it up with one question from a reader or yourself, and let's uh, let's move on. Oh, this this is just a yes or no question from me, um, but you can dive in however much you want. It is not Ohio State related. There's a ton of movement right now on crystal balls. There's a ton of talk, um, just message boards, things like that. Why is there doubt between Corey Foreman and Clemson? And Ohio State's not going to be in. The, I don't think Ohio State's going to be in the running for this, but. I think it's super interesting. We talk a lot about Ohio State versus Clemson on the recruiting trail. Ohio State's cleaning up on the recruiting trail right now. Clemson seems to be doing the same. But right now there's a lot of chit-chat, jibber-jabber, about Corey Foreman maybe wavering in his commitment. And we talk about how kids do not decommit from Clemson. I think it's really interesting. I think that there is a calculated risk you run when you're – a program that says to kids, especially top five, top 10 players in the country, we really want you to commit early. You're a program builder for us, 
but we also want you to never visit anywhere else. And when you're talking about a kid who lives 4,000 miles away from South Carolina, uh, it's probably not 4,000, probably like 3,000. I don't think it's 4,000. It, yeah, it's, it's like probably three, right? Regardless. I, that's, I don't even know if it's that far. I think it's like 2,300 or something like that. You think? Well, however many miles doesn't matter. He lives a far way away, far way away away from Clemson. He's also a kid that really loves Clemson. But at the same time, he's the number one ranked player in the country, and he's visited nowhere else, really. Like, that, that's just not how it usually goes. And you run the risk if you're Dabo Swinney and you say, hey, come in, get, get in the class, but don't, don't you dare think about visiting anywhere else. I, I, just, I think it's going to be a, a power struggle between Dabo Swinney and his goal, which is kids that are committed to Clemson don't visit anywhere else, and the power of, of the player. And in this instance, you're talking about the number one ranked player in the country who wants to visit other schools. And I, he's entitled to visit other schools. He's not taking a single official visit anywhere. He, he's going to want to do that. So if Clemson's going to make him decommit um, to do that, then I think he will. That, I don't think, number one, that that will rule out Clemson at all. Um, number two, I, I think that pushing, doing that now is probably better for Clemson than if he does it in October because they can, they can swing that in a way that says, hey, we understand, we're going to back off, let you have your space, we, we love you, you're here. If this discontent um, percolates for the next six months and then bubbles over and boils over in October, it's a lot harder to salvage that come December. Um, so I don't think that it's the worst thing for Clemson if he does that now. I think it'd be worse if he did it later. Number three, Ohio State will definitely try to get an official visit from Corey Foreman. Yeah, I was going to ask you, will, will they get an official visit? They're definitely going to try. I mean, the, the, the crystal ball movement is towards for him going to USC. And I, there's like this, you know, renewed vigor for, for California kids to commit to USC right now, which they're doing well on the trail. It's the off season. None of it matters. If they go out and lose their first four, their first eight games, those kids are not going to stay at USC. It's not going to matter because Clay Helton will be fired. So I don't care who, right. They they have have to play, they have to play Alabama the first week of the season. I mean, yeah, they got to win. They got to win 10 games and, and win the Pac 12 South before I think that all those kids are going to end up at USC because if they don't do that, Clay Helton is going to be fired and none of this is going to matter. So I don't, I don't care at all who's committed to USC right now. It does not make a difference. But what does make a difference is um, Oregon, who's done a great job recruiting on the West Coast in the last two cycles. Uh, Mario Cristobal has done a remarkable job putting together players from California and the, and the West Coast and the defensive side of things and Foreman certainly would be a guy that uh, would be interested in that. Um, you know, they got the number one player in the country from California two years ago, um, a defensive end whose name is escaping me. Right Kayvon now. Thibodeau. Right, Kayvon Thibodeau. So they, they, they have an inside, you know, angle there. Um, programs like Arizona State, Ohio State, Bama. I mean, you're going to see everyone in the country is still trying to get Corey Foreman on, on a visit. Ohio State wanted very badly to get him to visit before he committed to Clemson. 
I would be shocked if Larry Johnson and Corey Foreman are not in conversation right now. I mean, not like right now now, but I'm sure they're talking as much as Foreman wants to. Um, he's too good of a player to not try to bring over. But bottom line, why is they talk about it? Because the kid wants to visit elsewhere, and Dallas Winnie says no. So how do, you, how do you salvage it if you're Clemson? In my mind, you tell him, go ahead, decommit. Let's keep building our relationship. We'll bring you back out here for an official visit, and then you can recommit to us later when you, when you feel more ready. But that's a lot of pride to swallow if you're Clemson. It is, and, and that's something that we haven't necessarily seen. This is uh, a Dabble. We this haven't is seen Dabo have to do it. It's an interesting point in the Clemson dynasty. Yeah, we, we've not seen Dabo have to do that. But, you know, you've taken some heat from people saying that Clemson only recruited four and five stars or whatever. Um, you know, they've done a great job developing talent and building talent. But now, once you start recruiting only four and five star kids, and for Clemson in the last two years, uh, a lot of five star kids, it's a, it's a different environment when it comes to their recruitments and how you need to handle them and how um, you have to approach them and how they approach you. So it is sort of a defining moment um, in what Dabo's program is going to be moving forward, I think. So I, I would bet that they are suggesting to him he should decommit if he's not 100% committed. And I, I know that that sounds like something a homer would say, like, oh, the, the school told him to, to just go. And it's not the kid's decision. And I really think that they're telling him, if you're not 100%, then publicly decommit so that both sides can save face. That's what I think. All right. The last thing I'll say is our question sheet has been getting better. Uh, the form that we have out on Twitter, you can find it on both of our Twitter pages. We'll, we will continue to tweet that out uh, you know, as the shows come up. Um, the questions are getting good. They're getting, they're actually getting pretty deep. So we're going to have to take an episode and maybe just do one or two questions because I think there are some questions in there that I would love to have answered. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think it's the right time to, to dive into the bigger picture of recruiting. And we're starting to get some of those questions, you know, which programs do the Buckeyes hate recruiting against? Why? What areas have they been unsuccessful in and why? Um, so I think we can really start to dive into some of these deeper questions because we've been taking a lot of surface level questions. So I just want to tell the readers, you know, if you still have a question uh, that you want to answer, we're going to keep doing Q and A yeah. uh, shows. Just because, they, just because they haven't been answered yet um, doesn't mean we're not going to get to them eventually. So um, right now we are trying to stretch out, stretch out content to keep um, relevant and interesting, um, which is why we had this episode of talking stuff to talk about Jansen Dunn. Um, but we're going to get out of here. That's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Row and our good friends at Flyers Auto. Thanks for watching. Please rate, review, subscribe. Check us out next time. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys online, social media, Twitter, YouTube, all that stuff. Hit us up. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next time.